The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I bet I know what many of you in the audience are thinking. You're thinking, oh, cool, the guys are back for their trip to Germany. They're going to stop talking about it. And you would be wrong. <laughs> You'd be wrong. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I have to say now we're back and just excited. That's the thing. It's happened. It was an amazing trip. The guys that went, it was one of the things where we could tell they were enjoying the trip. And then they got back. And now the outflow of commentary from them has even ramped up again. Yeah, this so has been we, we, awesome. we thought we thought they were enjoying it at the time. Now that they're back, they're all talking about how much they miss it. In fact, we miss it, and jet lag is still kicking us rather severely. But you know, this is the problem of, of reentry to uh, real life once you've been driving around on the spa, uh, spa and the ring. Yeah, I woke up at three thirty in the morning and just laid there thinking about all the stuff that we just did, the track driving, kind of wishing I was back there doing it all over again this week. But, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. And uh, thanks to all of our folks who went on the trip with us, uh, even Cole yeah. with his mom. He brought his mom. So you you mm-hmm. can do it too. And she loved every minute of it. <laughs> and we had a great she time. A blast. And all their Facebook pages and their Instagram accounts blew up with all the crazy stuff. They, they just had mm-hmm. no idea what we were going to throw at them. And it really worked out. And in conjunction with that, I need to thank publicly Marcus from Comotech for bringing yeah. us the Lotus Evora 400 that we all got a chance to drive. And that yeah, is como-tech, T-E-C.com. They are a tuning shop as well as a Lotus distributor, Lotus dealership in Germany. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. were very, very gracious. They do sell cars worldwide. Again, contact Marcus there. He was the man and he was happy to join us. And actually, you can see him on our Facebook photo there. The current spread there is uh, all of us having a grand time with the cars in the background, yeah. so check that out. Yeah, he came out for the day. In fact, all those those uh, cars, uh, thanks for bringing up that uh, Facebook uh, banner photo because you're right. That, that's an interesting uh, touch on the trip because all of the cars in that photo were the cars we had for our road tour day. So all the guys on the trip, you can see them there in the photo, they all got to drive those cars, including that Lotus Evora 400. And then you and I did, I, 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 have, to, I have to be honest, you and I did what I think is the fastest, most ghetto review of a car we've ever done. <laughs> it was fast, that's for sure. I, I yeah, we, I, I wouldn't call it had, ghetto necessarily. It was fast. Well, get, okay, sim, simple. I'll, I'll say simple. Simple. Okay, yes. like, instead of ghetto, it was simple. Yeah, but here's the I'm thing. not sure what we, you mean. We had, we had, we had so few, we had so few shots even possible. All told, grand total, we had 30 minutes with the car. Now, to give you a frame of reference, when we normally shoot a fast blast that takes three to four hours worth of filming, when we shoot a car like we want to, it takes about six hours worth of filming. So think about those two things when you ponder. We had access to this Lotus Evora 400. Paul and I to actually shoot it. We had a half hour. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> it is a remarkably down and dirty, simple review. But we wanted to get some sort of screen time for that car. It was really cool to be in it and to drive it. So we do have that coming up in the weeks to come and a couple other pieces to come out of that uh, of that trip if you haven't seen our pilgrimage uh film actually that is why we actually did this film this uh, trip in the first place we also have some ring stuff that's not part of the film that we're actually going to release for the youtube channel as well so we came away with some good content we had a great trip and a couple of you have asked yes we are doing it again it will definitely happen at some point in 2017 we're figuring out dates when we know them we'll share them with you 
And I'm sure you're shocked to know that we were going to be sharing it on the podcast. We do have other things to talk about, though, tonight. Well, yes. Before we do, I do want to mention future trips are already in discussion for other venues, which we are already planning and talking about. As soon as we know more, we're going to be announcing that. But this trip will be again. And, uh, yeah, yes. that's that's uh, something that's heavily on our minds just because of the fun that we had and educational mm-hmm. experience and all that stuff. So it was really great to share well, that with everybody. It, it, it truly – I mean you and I can say this and I think the people – we've had a few people that went on the trip say it as well. It went better than all of us hoped it would. That mm-hmm. was the cool yeah. thing. Yeah. It wasn't just, well, it kind of worked. We just all walked away from it going, I can't believe how awesome that was. And you and I had planned it and we still felt that way. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I was going to stay for the Paris Motor Show, which is ongoing right now, 2016 Paris mm-hmm. Motor Show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I might go, but I just uh, – yeah, it was a lot of travel and I just thought, you know what? I'll just kind of look at the pictures from afar like everybody yeah, else yeah. at this point. But I, I did want to point out a few notable concepts and cars that have come out of that show – Starting off with the BMW X2, 2.1, 2.5, whatever it is. Another micro niche from BMW. They have found a hole in their lineup and created this concept, which I really do like, as a matter of fact. I I hope they come out with it. I'm sure they will. But it's not – but let's be honest. It's not going to look nearly this cool once it comes out in real life. It's no, just, it it'll won't. look cool. It'll look cool. It's not going to be I you just, know something I, boring by any means. It's BMW I, after all. All of the all of the downsides of a coupe, all of the downsides of an SUV, you can have them all combined in one car. That's what the X <laughs> even number cars are. The X2, X4, X6, it's like the worst of all worlds as far as I'm concerned. And then when you go I, I odd numbers, that's when it gets really good. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Well, this show apparently was all about electric concepts, which we do want to ta- touch on in the debates that we've got. Mm-hmm. I am really, really excited to share these with you. But uh, some other non-electric concepts that stood out to me were, of course, the Honda Civic Type R that apparently the U.S. will get. Uh, We keep being teased. This was still a prototype, which means it didn't have an antenna on it, so therefore it's a concept or a prototype. It didn't, didn't have mirrors. Have an antenna. Yeah. They, now that it has no mirrors or antenna, no, no, it's just a concept. Car. They kind of do, as uh, a matter of fact. They they kind of. Uh, you know, position their cars that way so when it does come out, they can say, oh, if anything has changed, if anything's different, well, that was the concept. This is the real thing. Uh, of course, like you, we're endlessly intrigued by this car. We had uh, – on, on our trip, we had the guys in a Renault Megane 265, so a front-wheel drive car mm-hmm. with a lot of power. Mm-hmm. But here's something One even hotter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering if we'll, uh, we'll get to see these on future trips. It's kind of exciting to think about actually. I agree. It would be very cool. And, and let's, I, but I, I hope it genuinely comes here because, oh, yeah. you know, it's been a long time since Honda has had a real – I mean, since the S2000. The S2000 was kind of like Honda's swan song of that couple of decades when just about everything they made seemed to feel like a good enthusiast car on some level. You know, the, the only real one in their lineup since the S2000, honestly, has been the Honda Accord. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. still kind of the sleeper enthusiast car in the lineup. It would be cool to have – you know, a really unabashed, this is what I exist for, enthusiast car in their lineup. I mean, I know some of you are saying Civic SI. Yeah, but it, I, 
so the Type R, we need the Type R. That 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 and the S2000 were always cars that the, I want to see hot stuff, genuinely hot stuff out of Honda, and I want to see it over here. Yeah, I, I think you're right. We do need that car, and Honda needs a return to purity with a pure, true rear-wheel drive car. The Civic Type R no, will be incredible, that. but it's tech galore. It's front-wheel drive, mm-hmm. turbocharged madness. But I'd like to see Honda return to not only from a – a platform, but also a styling purity. I mean, we've just gotten so crazy. Just stop drawing, mm. really. I mean, put the <laughs> pencils down, designers. Design That's your team. shirt. That's your shirt. It just says stop drawing. That's the shirt. I like it. I like it. You know, um, one of the concepts that was revealed earlier was that Maybach Vision. It was a huge, mm-hmm. long, luxurious, mm-hmm. electric, incredible red yeah, Maybach yeah, yeah. from Mercedes. And yeah. I saw an article just uh, on the plane. We had a lot of time to read on the airplane. And it was oh, talking yes. about removing lines. And if they yes. could – I read that too. Remove Thanks for bringing line. that up. I read that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, removing a line from the car and things still work, they would seek out other lines or you know, highlight lines to remove, to, to go back to a purity of form rather than mm-hmm. letting your lines mm-hmm. intersect and create the sculpture – let the form itself create that. And it's yeah. I think it was really brilliant. It's, of course, an outrageous, outlandish concept car. But from a stylistic point of view, it's rather pure. And I really liked it for that reason. So, But, but I submit to you, and I'm not the design guy of the two of us by any means, but I submit to you the cars that are timeless, you could say that. Whether they consciously did it or not, there is a, a real sparing use of let's put another line on it. It is a form. It is a shape. And that's what makes it so awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's not a lot of creases and lines and intersecting corners. And that, that doesn't really exist on the stuff that's timeless. I realize there are exceptions to every rule. But I feel like that's very true. And I, I thought that, that Maybach, I mean, it, it echoes back to a lot of the classics. I mean, the, the E-Type and a lot of the old Ferraris. I mean, it had that mm-hmm. kind of sense yeah. about it, yeah. which is very much about the shape and not about the lines. Which is great. And it depends on the car, of course. If it's more aero-centered or, you know, depending on the use of the car, obviously you need more, you know, wider fenders and aerodynamic aids on the car. But just from a streamlined design, I, I love that thing. Um, so beautiful. Uh, I want to call out Hyundai, and they're bringing the noise with this Motorsports RN30, which is the opposite end of what we're talking about stylistically. But this is really the teaser of this end performance line that I think the world cannot wait, you know, cannot c- come soon enough because mm-hmm. of I, I think Hyundai is really well positioned for bringing this out. They really need this, along with, you know, what we're talking about Honda returning to purity and you know, bringing the Type R to America, I think it's really, the time is ripe for Hyundai to bring this performance line out into a lot of their cars. And this is, again, yet another model teasing that, as is, you know, in uh, a lot of cars at the Motor Show, a lot of manufacturers getting back to World Rally and debuting their cars for that. Um, Pretty crazy concepts there, but I'm just loving what I'm seeing from Hyundai as well. They're, They're really bringing it, so really cool to see that. Um, what else? A few others. Gosh, this Land Rover Discovery is catching my eye. I keep thinking like, huh, what's next after the Jeep already? I know this is strange to say, but, (laughs) and, and, you know, maybe I shouldn't even consider Land Rover after the, you know, the decade of 
poor electronics and you know bad reliability that they've just experienced but uh, it's intriguing i'm just looking i'm just shopping i don't know yeah well we're always just shopping that's part of our disease yep yep uh what else any other cars strike you there well it was that that renault that uh trezor concept thing I I struggle with concepts like that, and I struggle with it because is it cool looking? Yes. Does it feel connected to reality at all? No, not at all. And those and well, those get such big press. Yes. But it's just you know here's the the top half of the car folds away as a clamshell, and here's our Photoshop. I realize it's not Photoshop. Photoshop created file of it being used by active people in the middle of the of the. The Moab Desert, while they got out of there. No, they didn't. I just, it's not anywhere close to reality, so stop. Well, at least it doesn't know. have a canoe on its roof, you know, because lifestyle. But, uh, you know, it. It, was, it was pretty crazy. Would you like to buy a Clio instead? Check out our beautiful Trezor concept, but uh, how about a Clio? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, that's, that, when, when concepts are those, that, that far out, I, I know this sounds ridiculous maybe, but when they're that far out, most of the time, I just keep walking because I just think, you're just you're having a design fun day, great. But what do you actually have for sale, or what might you have for sale? Yes, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm weird in that, but I just it doesn't typically it doesn't typically stop me because I just think okay, there's somebody's you know, model car project, yay. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum because I know you are. It's I know got you are. to it's got to it's stir you with passion and excitement for the brand and for what's coming and for the technology they're pursuing and I guess leave it to your imagination as to what might trickle down in the road cars. And if anything does or if anything does not, it's still a, wow, this is the company setting the vision. That's the thing I can't afford or doesn't exist, but I want a piece of that. Audi was successful for that for a long time. That's why companies race, you know, the technology from racing or Formula One or Le Mans trickling down to your car and somehow you're connected with that. That's really why they do well, it. Well, but the ra- the race car connected to the street car, I actually get that. As as tenuous as that can be sometimes, I do get it. This is somebody's just kind of design fun day. I realize it's more than a day, but design fun day. It's just like, hey, let's just take the reins away and all logic and let's just do something that's cool. And yes, it's cool, but I don't feel like it relates to reality nine times out of ten. That, that's a- and I'm talking about these extreme concepts. I realize there are concepts that are you know, predecessors of where the actual streetcar will come from. I get that. Oh, Obviously, yeah. you know, the FRS, BRZ, they beat that concept into the ground before they released the car. But it was at least, you know, the the the, the beginning calls of this is what this car is going to be. Something like this big Trezor thing. Very cool, awesome looking, and I'm moving on. Well, to your point, the show really seemed to be about electric cars with this VWID concept and Mercedes and just about every manufacturer going the electric route, which stylistically, you know, putting that aside still, but I could really see a lot of connection because now they're pursuing concepts in terms of the tech that's going to drive the wheels. And I see concepts really being pushed further and further along in that arena, you know, less so the big grandiose styling exercise and more of a, huh, that doesn't really strike me as the most beautiful Mm. car ever, but what's underneath and how does that relate to the next gen golf or, you know, the next gen electric car that I'll be able to afford. You're right. I mean, that's what this show is really becoming about. And uh, I see that only increasing in the future is uh, everything's going electric, which is 
pretty exciting because it's never really been this prolific and this democratized before. It actually ties into our first car debate here, which is interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I see, you know, motor shows going that way. We even got a Facebook question about, uh, you know, is, is Chevy trying to, you know, is there some underhanded conspiracy theories going on here? But we'll get to the, the Facebook questions too. Yeah, I want to talk to that one a, a little bit later. You're right. It relates to all of what we're talking about. We should probably talk about Oliver writing into us from uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And as you've already alluded to, he relates to this electric car thing because he has a lease on a uh, Fiat 500e. And it's coming up this summer. Uh, and he's ready to get out of that car. He said it's actually been fun, but the torque steer is ridiculous. Uh, and he wants something that has at least a 200-mile range, rear or all-wheel drive. And then he realizes, I've kind of described the Model 3, and I can't have one yet. Okay. Um, all right. So that's where we start our problem for our friend Oliver. He is looking for a best-used fun car under 12 k because he's thinking about just waiting on his Tesla Model 3. I wonder if we're going to get a lot of questions along this line of, I'm waiting for my Model 3. I've either got a deposit or I'm waiting for them to become available. So what do I get in the mm-hmm. interim? And for I'll answer it. I'll answer it right now. <laughs> in general, if well, you're going to write in and say, I have a Model 3 on order, I'm going to say to you, get a Chevy Bolt. Yeah, yeah. I thought we uh, both if, might if touch on that, actually. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that's not really where Oliver goes, I feel like, because he starts to go, all right, let's do a fun gas car for under twelve grand. But, uh, you know, seriously, if you're waiting on your Model 3 and you need a car right now, that's just the whole thing we've been discussing. The Chevy Bolt is a car for right now. Yeah, yeah. 200 I'm, plus miles, electric, done. Hello? Yeah, I'm investigating this more. I'm looking at it more. And I can't see a reason to not buy it. If this is your market and this is what you're looking for – which is Mm -hmm. Oliver. And I suspect more and more people are going to be in this same situation. Now, Oliver is looking for a less expensive used car because he wants to end up keeping it. This is not going to be a car Mm -hmm. that the Model 3 or potentially the Bolt would replace. It's more of, it's got to get me around. I want it to be a stick shift. I might put it on the track. And then when the electric car thing becomes available and I can afford that, then I'll throw down for that. So it's a bit of a different situation. He's going to keep the car here. And I think mm-hmm. we mentioned he's also in San Francisco Bay Area. So it's got to be, you know, fairly good, you know, compact, not too large, and uh, 12K. And I'm with you. I, yeah, if you're really looking for that, get the Bolt right now. We haven't driven it. Yeah. We're going to at some point here soon. But uh, interesting. Just interesting. I Well. The thing, the thing I think is he's decided in the interim is to is to stay gasoline and to get a car that he could maybe track. So as you've said, I mean he's buying for some in some weird ways. It's like he's buying his fun track car now to have that tide him over until the electric car he wants is really available. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think as you look at this, Oliver, it may be interesting to see. Look, I'm not claiming that the Bolt is as interesting as the Model Three, but the Bolt exists right now. Mm-hmm. which is quite a trump card to play. It's tri- quite a, hey, look at this. This actually exists. That's quite a thing to play when you're waiting on the other one to exist. So, uh, you know, even though it's not as sexy, it does exist right now, and you could get it. So I think that electric car thing is a good debate. But let's actually chase the gasoline car. And where this gets hard, actually, is that twelve grand figure. Because you've listed some stuff here that you'd like to have, cars you're considering, Audi A5, Audi S4, the M3, maybe a used Porsche, maybe a 1 Series. I think all of those are great ideas, Oliver, except you said $12,000. The last 
don't those really connect, do they? Well, actually they do. The last line item he's got here, the 1 Series, I think you're looking at an 08 or an 09 BMW 135i. And the mm-hmm. least expensive ones that I found were 12.5, you know, almost okay. pushing 13, but I still feel like that's in his budget here. I, f- I still feel like I think you're right. It's going to be manual transmission. It's going to carry people because he does have kids. If, uh, mm-hmm. if we haven't mentioned that already, he does have uh, yeah. a family here that he, he's got to. He'd like it to be you know, able to sit four to. people if, if he has to. I mean, rear wheel drive, stick shift, fun car, wants to be able to track it. Those are the primary headlines. But as a father, okay, you've got three kids. You, you may have to haul some, co- some collection of them at any time. And so we're not going to be a, a straight up two seater. You're right. His one series is the only one that I think actually of the ones he's listed actually does get this solved because of the budget restriction. I mean, he talks about, Hey, it'd be cool to get a nine, nine, six, nine, 11. Well, yeah, it'd be cool to have that, uh, S four too, but you're not going to touch it for this money. So that's, that's the struggle here. I feel like mm-hmm. I was, uh, marveling at the thought that I had coming away from our Germany trip. And that is, what if all the cars available on the planet were sold in mm-hmm. all markets? What would yeah. we do with yeah. ourselves? <laughs> I think that would be fantastic and maybe horrifying. I mean, we'd get the Tata Nano and we'd get, you know, all kinds <laughs> of crazy awesome French cars that we see. And uh, I just thought, well, okay, our choices is there, would be is there really a car- opened up. Is there a car we don't have here that you think works for this? I just come back to the hatches that uh, Tom has been driving. I mean, there's so many hatch choices that could be fun, even though Oliver wants a rear-wheel drive car or Mm all-wheel drive. I understand that. I just feel like the prolific choices are so interesting. And, you know, even the the 1 Series 3-door that we don't get – that is, yeah, yeah. we even it's saw more a race of a clown car shoe. Yeah. at Spa, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, out, you know mm-hmm. one of these turned into a race car. And it's so different. And I, I feel like there is the enthusiast need and market for it. But, uh, you know, it's a business decision on all the parts of the manufacturers. But, you know, I'm really leaning this one series. If you don't want to go European, there is the Hyundai Genesis Coupe, which is also the same recipe, mm. although Korean. But same recipe, yeah. and I bet you you can get them for twelve, twelve five, again somewhere the in early that ones, price range. The early ones probably. I had that's a good one. I had two others that I actually thought of. Uh, no, I take that back. Three others because I do like your BMW uh, one series recommendation and and su- the suggestion you even made, Oliver. Uh, but I had three others that I thought of okay. that I think could work for this. I mean, I was trying to to hit all the buttons here, but I am going to go off of your rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive recommendation for one one mention real quickly, Oliver, and I'm going to say Fiesta ST um, because we're talking, you know, 1314, which is not way out of your budget, and that is a car that you could do any family duty you need in it. You're not going to be precious with it. You could track it all day long. You could keep it, strip it out later if you wanted to make it into a more of a focused track car. Uh, that's, I think that's a real contender here. It isn't rear-wheel drive, but it is my one exception to that rule that you've given. I think that's a real option. I like that. I mean, they're, yeah, 13, 14 grand now. Mm-hmm. Hard to beat for just fun yeah. factor, you know? And we've talked about it before endlessly, but mm-hmm. could work here. And I had I had two others that I thought of. Did you have others as well? That's really where I landed. I, I thought the 135i is the perfect car, 
in this situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think it's a, a real front runner here. I totally agree. Uh, yeah. I had two others. I don't know if I like them as well, but I do think they match the requirements. You could get a Mazda RX-8 all day long. Hmm. You could just you could just go Good get one. an RX-8. That's There's right. no question. You're going to have to think about, okay, rotary engine, do your research on how to buy a good one, do your research on how to keep it running well. But ultimately what they want to do is they don't want to be a short trip car. They want to be much more your track car, honestly. Great handling. But if you had to put kids in that, you can put adults in the back of that car, which is it's a shocking <laughs> use of space. For a moment. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. no. I'm not saying let's, in let's hop in and go cross country and let's hope that everybody in the car is under six feet tall. But it is a surprisingly good use of space. That is a great handling chassis. It is a very fun engine to drive at the upper levels of its RPM. I mean, there are a lot of really good things about that car. You just have to to kind of steal yourself for the reality of the rotary engine. So I would certainly look into that. But, yeah, budget-wise, easy. And then an E36 Generation M3. Mm -hmm. That's the the M3 from the 90s, okay? So second-gen M3, you could get one of those for your budget for sure. I'm sure you have to put a little bit of money into it to keep it running, but, I mean, we, we have our big BMW M3 uh, Icon film coming out. In fact, uh, spoiler alert, uh, we have a teaser for that film dropping this week. So I'm going to go ahead and say that to all of you right now. That is coming. We're going to have teaser with a little bit of footage because that film is in the edit now. <clears throat> that, that one guy that does the editing, yeah, he's actually working on it. Um, but uh, the E46 M3, all the ones that we uh, dealt with for the film, and we, we walked around a few of them, uh, they were all bought for under ten grand. Yeah, so I think that's a real contender here. You could get mm-hmm. a really nice one for twelve. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That would be that. That would be a consideration, and uh, that could be a way to get into that car. And you know, great car to keep long term. Great car to wrench on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. It, it's not that they're that we're out of choices, but again, the the budget constraints limit us a little bit and I'm doing my best here. I hope you're noticing Oliver. I'm doing my best here to not go crazy. <laughs> However, uh yeah, I, I think uh, you know, once the electric enters the equation, this car that you get will sit. You'll be enamored with the yeah. new electric car. Yeah, yeah. You drive it everywhere. Oh, yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. this will be the track car. So you don't want to spend too much money. We definitely understand that. Because it'll be, you know, eh, maybe I'll sell it and you know, or just it'll sit and uh, sit there costing you money. So that's not what we want. We want you to drive these things and drive the wheels off. So hopefully that helps. And uh, we'll go ahead and jump to our next car debate. We've got two here for mm-hmm. you. With Dan yeah. Lee, he is in northeast Pennsylvania. He is 25, not married, no kids. He's got real winters. We are, As a matter of fact, it was snowing today in Utah. Uh, Snowing yeah, pretty it's, hard, actually. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we get it. Winter is on its way, or nearly arrived here, and uh, he's got a thirty thousand dollar budget and really looking hard at the RF Club Miata that you're looking at that that, uh, that mm-hmm. you love so much. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, I I I, I still I haven't had a chance to get in it yet. I my big concern is I'm going to climb into that car, my head's going to touch the roof, but. Other than that, it's quite intriguing. And and but you know, I, Dan, that's not an issue for you. You've written in. You've said that is your kind of your your personal winner right now, though you've ne- haven't driven it. But you have <laughs> your description is the budget I have is whatever the brace, base price of that car is. Well, it was actually released this week. It's right around thirty two grand. So that's the kind of money we're talking about. Um, and uh, you're you've actually changed jobs recently, so now you can walk to work. 
Uh, so that you have a car that you can just shop for fun. First and foremost, fun yeah. with thirty grand to spend. So here's the story. Dan is, uh, as Todd said, switched jobs. He's moved into his first house. He walks to work. And unlike pretty much everybody on the planet, he has a full access to a lift and a shop right across the street for mods, for maintenance. He's got it all. Make this friends is with Dan. Yep. Huge. So now yep. he's really thinking about a fun car without compromising and getting rid of his current 2010 Ford Focus. It's been a great car for him. He's over 100,000 miles, but it's time for it to go. Mm-hmm. What else? He's got an 84 GMC pickup truck, C3500 pickup truck that's been mostly restored. And it uh, sounds like he's going to hang on to that for the utility aspect of it and hanging on to it. And uh, his third car is a LS1 V8 coffee table block <laughs> that got cracked after a C5 vet took one too many shots of uh, nitrous oxide, apparently. So I think I that's love that funny. He, he listed in his car list, he listed his <laughs> coffee table, his V8 coffee table. That is awesome. Well done to you there, Dan. I, I think that's fantastic that you took the time to list that. Um, and you listed some cars you've actually driven. You said you've driven the Pontiac GTO, the early 2000s one that we've mentioned a few times. Your dad has a an E30 and actually really love the size of it. You don't really think it's it's the car for you, but you do like the the size of it. You've driven a few Sobs, um, and you keep coming back to the. This is a long email, and it keeps circling back to mention how much you like that Mazda RF. You just you go off on this tangent, then you come back around. <laughs> to, By the way, the Mazda RF. You just it, it you keep getting dragged back. So I think it's interesting that that's the car that has for sure caught your attention. I love it. And again, as we say, if there's a car that you just know you want, we're not going to steer you away from it. But Dan, 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 I think I have a car for you to consider. I've got your, I have one too. Yeah. your gold and your silver places here, and then your runner-up okay. bronze right. car for you. All right? Wow. All right. All right. So think 30 grand, but again, it's me talking, so I'm going to bump that up a little bit, say five grand or so. <laughs> Maybe. I'm so surprised. Wait, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, I uh, what caught my eye in Dan's email here was that he prefers a car with a Targa or T-Tops, which is one mm-hmm. of the reasons this mm-hmm. Miata, this MX-5 RF, keeps appealing to him so much. Yeah, now, yeah. what else is driving dy- dynamics, of course, so he's not trying to get a car to cruise around in, impress people. He's wanting a rear-wheel drive, manual transmission that has... Great inputs, steering, shifter feel, pedal mm-hmm, spacing, mm-hmm. over the info, you know, all the electronics, the Bluetooth, infotainment, nav screen, that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. really into the purity of driving, is what I'm hearing. Definitely, and so definitely. I started thinking of cars with Targa or T tops. And I thought of one. Okay. All right. But then I had to pull it back because the one that I want you to have, you probably can't buy with this budget. But the first few years of this car is the 1990 to 95 Acura NSX. I uh, wondered if you'd go there. Okay, I think go on. you need to go get yourself an NSX. I found you in mm. 1991 for 34000 It was ooh, only in 95 ooh. that the Targa roof was introduced, and those are far more expensive. So, sure okay. They are, yeah. But thirty-four grand for an Acura NSX, and it's not going to mm. get driven that much, but Talk about inputs, and he's got the shop, and he can work on it. 
I yeah? think okay. you need right. the NSX. I think you have to drive this car. Hmm. I mean, what a looker. People are going to say, you have an NSX. Are you kidding me? What? How? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is my gold yeah. and silver place car for you. My okay. runner-up bronze car is the 1990 to 94 Nissan 300ZX. Do you know mm. for twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars you can get the twin turbo, like a really nice one for that kind you of money? You get a gorgeous one for that kind of money. A gorgeous yeah. one for that kind of money. I yeah, even yeah, found yeah. a naturally aspirated. I don't know if this is real or not. I found a naturally aspirated car that was the color of yours. As a matter of fact, uh-huh. it had forty-six hundred miles on it. Is this possible? Ooh. Somebody bought it and just stored it and. I it's suppose. I don't know why you would have stored the stored the base one, but okay. But yeah, wow. All right, what were they asking for that? Manual transmission. It was right around 23000 somewhere in there. And I thought, hmm. are you kidding me? Buy it now. <laughs> Buy it now. Yeah, but if it's not the twin turbo, it's just I, I – the clean twin turbos can go for tons of money. Yeah. But if yeah. you can find one that's close to stock, that's the other hard part is finding a close to stock one. But I agree with you. That is a great contender there. I uh, I have one – look, the Mazda RF, obviously, Dan, you've heard of the Mazda RF, and you like it. So I'm not going to avoid that. So I'm going to have my own kind of sniper shot here, actually, uh, excluding the RF, which obviously is already on the table. But I have one that after I read all the way through this, I went, wait a minute. Why are we talking about this car? Why isn't this car on the list? Because you actually mentioned, Dan, you like the C5 Targa Corvette. You like the RF Miata. And then you mentioned in passing – uh, if I if I won the lotto, I'd buy an Alpha 4C Spider. So suddenly I was struck by something because you've talked about inputs are more important than anything else. You want Target or T tops? You wish you could buy an Alpha 4C. I have to say it, Lotus Elise. That's up there, and yes, because Targa. thirty. <laughs> Exactly. 30 to 35 grand is what we're talking about. Yes, you can get yourself a Lotus Elise. That'll be the 05, mm-hmm. maybe an 06 if you can find it. If you can find an 06, go 06. But uh, yeah, that you can do it for your budget. You're talking about a car you're going to only drive for fun. Inputs matter. Target top. All of the above. Done. Done. Yeah. I have to stay there. Look, go go drive that RF and, and, and investigate it. But Lotus Elise checks every box you've given, including... Being like the Alpha 4C Spider. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. I'm out. Mic drop and I'm done. <laughs> I don't think there's too many other choices, to be honest, that really tick off all these boxes that you're looking for. But, I, uh, yeah. I, with your I budget, like your you NSX recommendation, stuff. by the way. I do think the NSX is cool. And the 300ZX, with this kind of money, you could get a gorgeous one. But now you're talking about every bit of a 20-year-old car. But... Yeah, it, those are those are still great. I have yes, to say, but I wouldn't have done that if he hadn't had a shop right across the street to wrench on it. Sure, I wouldn't have yeah. said that. But since you do, it's it's in the running. I think it's a contender. So yeah, now, I think that's great, Dan. All that's left is for you to go drive all these and see if mm-hmm. they will take the place of the RF in your mind. That's uh, that's the only thing, the only question left on the table. So please let us know and write to us with your own debate, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail or the website. We've gotten far more requests now through the website, and I love that you are all going to the website now, checking things out, and you can contact us there. And while you're at it, rate and review the podcast for us. It's really helping. Yeah, Guys, seriously. as you say, Todd, this is in the top five automotive podcasts on the planet, which is great and only due to Amazing. your rating and reviewing. It's fantastic. Absolutely true. 
Absolutely true. It's all about you guys doing that rating and reviewing. It's helping us immensely. And you can do that on pretty much any platform. I mean, you, you don't obviously the iTunes thing is a place we can see them, but Stitcher does ratings and reviews. You can do it a lot of places. So uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, we would appreciate it. Your shares are a big deal to us. It has made a huge difference. I, honestly, the number change in this calendar year alone for this podcast has been kind of shocking for us, and we're thrilled. So thank you. Yeah, so we should jump to some Facebook questions. But before we do, there mm-hmm. was one that came on Twitter from Chris H. He asks about oh, yeah. recommendations for auto transport companies. And oh, good. I'm glad you're going to tackle this. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, I, uh, I've had some experience here. And I, I will say, Chris, that if you go to the – well, any – major auto show like uh gosh any of the um auctions like the barrett jackson auction in phoenix Mm -hmm. in january the monterey weekend pebble beach car shows uh there's a bunch of east coast car shows as well look for the transporters that show up there because if those are there and guys are using them then that's really all the endorsement you need as a matter of fact, that's how I found the transporter that I use, and that was Inner City. They were great. I used them for my first Porsche. <clears throat> I just – I can't believe I just said that. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Paul Schmucker and my <laughs> first Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That came out wrong. Um, the first oh, car that I had transported, funny. I used Inner City, and they were great. They're huge transporters, but I know there's a few others uh, like Horseless Carriage. Um, yeah. And there's that orange one, the Reliable. You see tons yep. of those. Reliable those, carriers. I think their entire fleet does Pebble Beach every year. I, I see more of those orange Reliable trucks than anything. What's cool about those guys is they might be alone. They might not be in this, but they have GPS tracker locations. So you can follow where yeah. your car yeah, is yeah, yeah. at any given mm-hmm. moment. And it's kind yeah. of ridiculous. But some guys like to do that and keep track of you know where their hot car is coming in from. And uh, I will say, yeah, those are some good ones um, for you, Chris. And uh, Charlie James, uh, whom we met in uh, in Frankfurt, the beer made at home. Charlie very graciously found Schmucker Beer. There's a brewery in Germany with my surname, and uh, he brought me some beer. Ridiculous! It made it home. Ridiculous! And they did make it home, which I was shocked by. Actually, while we're while we're there, we should stop real quick because. Charlie and Jan and Akim and Spencer, thank you guys. You all joined us for yeah, uh, the kind of evening meetup that we did on Friday the 30th in Frankfurt. And uh, we were at Klaschikstad, which was really amazing, honestly. And we even had dinner there. They've got a great little restaurant there. And so those guys came out and met us. And we just had a really fun evening uh, with Tom and with those guys just hanging out and talking cars. And that's pretty much a great evening. Plus, we had good food. So all of the above. Thank you guys for being there. And uh, we actually did kind of a, a live car debate with Spencer. He was like, hey, guys, what about these cars? And suddenly we were like, well, here we go again. Exactly. So that was fun. And Charlie brought his minutes-old BMW M3 in that great uh, – what is that color? How would you describe that color? That greenish-yellow that they're doing right now on those cars? Really cool. I would say candy apple fish scale metallic mustard yellow. I know there's an official <laughs> BMW name for it, but – Charlie, but that one's better. Thank you. But that one's better. He let me You're sit right, in the yeah. parking lot and rev his engine, you know, while shouting America. I don't know where that came from, but uh, why were you shouting America? I'm not sure. No, nothing about that moment was America. It I, was a I German car in a German location, German engine. But anyway, keep I know. Going. But I, I was just uh, anyway. It was a funny moment. So uh, yeah, thanks for the beer. Thanks for letting us uh, look at your car. It's fantastic and beautiful. So if you see that yeah, car, pretty cool, blazing by you on the autobahn, that's Charlie. So anyway. 
What uh, questions stuck out at you here? I've got uh, three or four here that we can. Okay. I had a couple, but I wanted to speak to, we actually kind of touched on it at the beginning of the podcast. I wanted to touch on the one here from Sean Clark. Good. Sean is listing a conspiracy theory. He says, okay, there are conspiracy theorists saying that Chevy is going to purposely tank the bolt launch because they want people to not like EVs. Now, the same, very similar accusations were leveled at Chevy with their old EV1, which, you know, as much as we're talking about electric cars now, 20 years ago, Chevy made this car. And, you know, there yeah. was the Who Killed the Electric Car documentary and all the discussion about did Chevy purposely try to make it make it die and people not wanting to give them back and all this kind of stuff. But I have to say that we're in a very different market right now, Sean, because love them or hate them, Tesla has proven electric cars can do everything you need them to do. They can be great. They can be aspirational. They can be fast. They can be fun. Tesla has proven that model. So the, what, what Chevy struggled against, whether they, they purposely tanked it or not, I don't think they did, but whether they purposely tanked it or not in the 90s, everything they were struggling against perception-wise is gone now. Mm-hmm. And if Chevy wants to scuttle the, the bolt launch, I submit to you they only hurt themselves because as the Paris Motor Show proves, everybody's talking electric. Everybody is. So if you make an electric car yeah. and you make it die, you, all you've done is kill your chance at that market – that others are going to take from you anyway. I'm in full agreement. And when the EV1 did come about in 94, I had the chance to drive that car ever so briefly in Southern California. It was uh, a part of a test drive sponsored by Southern California Edison at the time. And they were in the market by themselves. Of course, electric cars had been done in various forms for years and years. But as a viable car that the masses got to drive and lease – they were really one of one in that market. That's no longer the case, as Todd has just outlined. Tesla's done it. So if Chevy tries to you know, mess around with their own market, other car companies are going to pass them by. There's too many mm-hmm. other startups and mm-hmm. too many other German manufacturers and European manufacturers that will race by them and leave them flat-footed. So I don't think it behooves them in any way to not make the Bolt a good car and not really try to compete because – Nowadays, it's democratized. This is where we're going, everybody. I mean, we've got Uber and Lyft and everybody partnering up with somebody in China. So this is the direction we're going. They're, they will do themselves no good by, by trying yeah. to sabotage themselves. So. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, excellent agreed. question. Excellent question. Uh, something else that came across here was from Ian Scott. There was a very good question. He asks two, as a matter of fact. The first one is, Ian says, could you please juxtapose American versus Western European social values <laughs> no. and their cross-cultural and socioeconomic impact on post-World War II manufacturing? I thought you were going to write in something hard, Ian, because that can very <laughs> clearly be explained by two cars. The first one oh, is the 59 no. Cadillac DeVille with the very tall rear wings, the, uh, the rear f- uh, fins. That okay. is the height of... Uh, I will say optimism in post-World mm. War II manufacturing mm. and also from Porsche who screwed giant whale tails to their Porsches. Also very optimistic and very aerodynamic and uh, you know used for downforce at the same time. So this is two reflections, American and Western European social values, and this is hmm. the impact that had on the manufacturing after World War II. Clearly defined by two cars. You – 
you have done a better job there than I thought possible. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna casually walk away from that question. <laughs> I think that is nicely handled, sir. So the second question is what's the best car for grandmas who like to hoon? I would say any AMG car or a Dodge Challenger. The end. What what else is there? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> grandma getting out of the Hellcat would be awesome. That would be I have awesome to say, yeah. especially if Grandma gets out of the Hellcat, pops the, pops the trunk, and walks around slowly and pulls her walker out of the back. <laughs> That's a throwdown moment right there. And then drives over it as she burns rubber out of the parking lot. <laughs> that is that is quite good. I have to say that's very good. It's very very good. Oh uh, yeah. Um, Alex wrote in and asked this question, uh, and I feel like this is the, one of those chicken or the egg questions or Pepsi Coke or, you know, uh, anyway, the, the, he says when driving an automatic dual clutch with paddles, do we prefer the paddles to be on the steering wheel or the column? Hmm. Um, mm. I would say I'd rather have a manual. No, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, the answer, the answer there for me is actually on the wheel because that way you can leave your hands where you've always got them. Hopefully your hands are, you know, there at, at nine and three, essentially right there on the crossbar. They're hanging out right there. The, hopefully the paddles are easy to grab. And also hopefully you're driving in a situation where you're not white knuckling so your hands are on there real loose. But you can be very subconscious at that point. You can just lift a finger and you can hit those paddles and they're always there for you. I've driven both kinds. I've, I honestly have never really had a struggle with the ones on the column. I rarely have gotten in a situation where I'm like, oh, what do I do? How do I... But I have to say there is something about that fingertip reality of if I'm, you know, quarter turned on the wheel, I've still they're always the same place they, they have been. There is something nice about that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't ever really find myself in a I guess a second gear corner situation where the wheel is cranked so far over that I need to shift through a corner. You just keep yeah. revving and keep driving and then once you unwind, then upshift. Or same with downshifting. Yeah. I I don't really know of a situation where, you know, if you're going fast through a corner, you're not past 90 degrees. I would hope not, uh, unless yeah. you're drifting. So, therefore, yeah. paddles on the wheel are going to be just fine. And, you know, paddles on the column aren't that confusing either. I, I think it's really just a manufacturer preference at this point, uh, you know. Um, I think there's some personal preference there as well. But, I mean, most of the time, the ones mounted on the column are a lot bigger as well. So you can you can grab them even if you're slightly turned over. But, I mean, you're making the exact point from a driving perspective. You should be downshifting in a straight line headed for the corner anyway. So the wheel's straight, so it shouldn't matter. And then you're probably not getting a whole lot of shifting done coming out of the corner until you're mostly straight again. So, in theory, they should they should be available to you either way. I'm just saying I like the, hey, I don't have to move my finger spar thing of having it go with the wheel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting. Good questions, everybody. I mean, continuously creative good questions that are pouring in, which is nice. Uh, what else? Tyler Stevens asks me as a designer what I think of current car design language and why everybody is incorporating all these fake air scoops and gills and grills and vents and all this stuff made from cheap black plastic and how do we stop this uh short of a letter to your senator uh i'm i think it's uh really it's uh yeah it's it's a design stylistic theme i would love it if the word you're looking looking for here is rut they're 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 in a rut if we could get past a lot of these cliches and really go back to something fresh and that really touches on the discussion you and I had at the top of the podcast, which is removing lines. 
even though you mm-hmm. want you know you want to design your car from the perspective of highlights the upward facing surfaces defining shapes the shoulders the rockers sure. those kinds of things but removing lines and letting purity shine through that's not what's happening here and Tyler you give some great examples I will say, you know, plug for Porsche GT3 RS that does have functional vents just behind the rear wheels, which vents out that low pressure area in the wheel well. I I mean, sometimes it is for good reason there, but that's in our race car, for crying out loud. In all these other cars, they're just fake. Think about the the ones on the, the Z51 package. I think I'm doing that right. The Z51 package on the new C7 that creates those two vents above the pockets of the rear of the rear wheel mm-hmm, wells mm-hmm. that they actually vent out. Now those those I'll submit to you that those have purpose and yet they kind of ruin the line of that panel. Mhm. Right, right. I can see You that. know, the the ones on the GT3 we kind of give a pass because we go, "Ooh, now I know what car that is. Isn't that super cool? Right, what a weird race vent." We yeah. we kind of give it a pass, but ultimately you've ruined a perfectly good panel. But the one yeah. on the Z51, I I I have to say that I, I really do hate that vent. I know it has a purpose, but I really do hate it. Yeah. But, you know, back back to the BMW world, you know, that that uh, very iconic vent on the E46, you know, inline 6 M3 that everybody loves, that iconic vent was was initially created for actual airflow and ended up not being needed, but everybody liked it in the design and they kept it. And now BMW has some variation of that on every car they build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Heritage is one reason. Functionality does exist, even to a small degree, and it can be cooling, venting, a number of different reasons. But yeah, mostly they're just for putting that car in a visual, stylistic uh, category, I will say, to appeal to a certain market. If it's too clean, it's the, you know, super high-end luxury, or if it's you know, two boy racer, you're you're missing out on a separate market as well. So, they're stylistic reasons mainly, and it's got to appeal. They all look different. Range Rover to Mini Cooper, they're very different in their look. But again, it's jewelry for the for the car. It's it's stylistic and definitely appealing to a certain market. Um, that's how is it that this is Buick's big contribution to car design. How did that happen? That Maserati picked the, up on, or they've the, always the random, had. And the thought, random circles yeah. on the fender that that yeah. now you can go into Pet Boys and buy them for your car and put them on your Civic. But but honestly, I mean, how is this Buick's big contribution? Because I feel like everybody is trying to figure out what vent do we put on the front quarter panel? <laughs> totally. How about how about none? Can we just go exactly. with none? How about, how about just, just let's create a quarter panel? How about that? How about we create a really nice shape up over that wheel and just and just call it call it a design? Walk away as you say. Stop drawing. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it used to be functionality, but if it used to be functionality and it is no longer functional and it just harkens back to some stylistic element, Maserati and Buick, yeah. that's not okay. If it's you know from the 20s and it worked on those cars, great. But just because you can tack this on nowadays, I, yeah, yuck. That's that's uh, that's not good. <laughs> heritage on heritage. this podcast, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> And also the socioeconomic differences between – no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. What else did you have? I only had one left from Jonathan Drake since we are apparently oh. going full throttle at the holiday season. I will say – he, 
Wait, 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 wait. I have to, I have to also admit this. What? My wife was in a store today that it's not Halloween yet. She was in a store today, and the entire store had skipped Halloween and just gone straight to Christmas. And she went, okay, I, I like Christmas, and yet you're still way ahead of me. <laughs> but here we have questions about, about Christmas for, for car guys. So I, this is the headspace we're in, apparently. I mean, why isn't that store, like, looking ahead already to, you know, President's Day or maybe, you know, some other, I know, St. Patrick's Day. Where's all the there you go. Easter yeah. eggs? I, yeah. We're celebrating Flag Day 2017 early this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, his question is, what are the best car-focused gifts for the holiday season? And Jonathan, as a matter of fact, I just ordered some prints from a company in the Czech Republic called Unique-Limited.com. They are not paying us to say this, but what? of course, they're Porsche prints. If you look this up, Unique-Limited.com. Ah. They do some beautiful, fantastic artwork. I just had four prints framed for the garage. The garage hmm. project is okay. still coming right along. And uh, yes, it is. I, I really haven't seen better car art, to be honest, and I love it. So check that site out. They have not paid us. You know, I, I, I had not thought of this question. I actually kind of read by this question because I was, again, thinking, are we talking Christmas already? But now that you're here, something has just popped into my head, and that is this. We are actually, I'm not kidding now, I really am very serious. We are actually going to release a round of shirts and swag-related stuff for the show. We have some cool designs we're going to drop. So I'm going to say, let's hope those are out before <laughs> Christmas and you could get everyday driver-related shirts. There it is. I'm putting that out there. And the film, right? That At that point, we'll have four well, films ready. Well, yeah. But early December will be the uh, BMW Icon film, if I can actually stop uh, standing here talking and actually go to edit the thing. Uh, yeah, we'll actually have the Icon film. So that you're right. That will be film number four, which is shocking. Four films in four years on top of everything else we're doing. But that Icon film is going to be really cool. I mean, I, again, I'm already neck deep in the footage. And it's a pretty fun one. So that you're right. That will be out by then, too. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, gifts from Everyday Driver, of course. I think Jonathan teed that right up for us, maybe. Well, and I, it, what's weird is this is my, my jet-lag-addled brain. I hadn't actually seen that. And, I, again, I just read right by this question. Now that you're talking about it, I went, wait a minute. But, yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Stuff. We've got stuff. And we're going to have more stuff. <laughs> Yikes. We I guess I better uh, that is true. swing into action because who's working on the art for those T-shirts? Um, yeah, I don't remember. The, whoever, whoever's not doing the editing, whatever right. of those two weird guys that do that show. Yeah, exactly. That guy. Right, that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Well, uh, hope Good you enjoyed the Good news is most podcast. of the art is done. So, yeah. Okay. Well, guys, hope you enjoyed the podcast from last week. That was during the adventure, and we had uh, some of our adventurers with us. That was Ted, Tyler, and Derek on the podcast, just giving their impressions of what it was like, you know, throwing all this stuff at them. So if you haven't heard that one, it was just yeah, no kidding. last from this one. So just one back from this podcast. And uh, hope you enjoy that. Hi, ay, ay. We've alluded to much more stuff coming your way. It's uh, it's on. It seems like here we go. It just speeds La well, last up the quarter we get to holidays. We yeah, we have been pushing really hard, obviously, to get these two adventures done. We are already uh, planning and talking about the ones for 2017. We won't be doing any more between now and then, of course, but for the ones for 2017, we're already discussing pretty seriously, including returning to Germany and Belgium to do that pilgrimage trip again. That is absolutely in the works. But now we transition to a bunch of production and post stuff that we've been stockpiling all summer, 
And I've been looking at that schedule just this weekend and thinking, wow, some of that is daunting. But we've got some cool stuff coming up, even outside of the film. So uh, we got to get, uh, we need to get on that. That would be good. But for now, sleep, because jet lag. Yeah. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And uh, looking nope. forward to next time. So thanks, everybody. Cheers.